Are you a small business owner, a trader, a school owner, a federal civil servant, a Lagos or a do civil servant, a farmer or a farm supply merchant? Do you need a loan or wish to fix your money for a high yield interest? Talk to us today and get your loan in less than 24 hours. Visit our website on www.lapo-nigeria.org or call us on 0813-984-0230. Email info at lapo-nigeria.org. Globally, businesses and corporations are faced with challenges that requires fresh thinking on strategy, leadership and governance to survive. The Anchor is a program designed to help organizations and individuals to be skilled in handling challenges. Join Dr. Osara Emokai, a development economist and a corporate strategist, for this interactive, informative, educative program. So I want to welcome you, everyone, to this episode of The Anchor. We are going to be sharing with you today the origin of paradigm shape. You know, we talk about paradigm shift. People use it now for all kinds of things. Even somebody buy bole because he used to buy yam, because it's a paradigm shift. Mm-hmm. You want to eat granola with this, you call it paradigm shift. <laughs> well, in some way, yeah, that is true. But we need sometimes to take a little detour, go backwards and see how this concept actually arose. But before I do that, permit me to just share with us, uh, you know, in social theory, that I took as some uh, earlier, you know, episodes, we took as some earlier episodes, uh, there are four paradigms within social theory. And uh, social theory uh, can usefully be considered in terms, you know, of four key paradigms. And uh, social theory is about a process that underpins how we interpret or how we explain occurrences in our environment, occurrences in our environment, occurrences in our society. For instance, within that social theory, you find what they call the functionalist. So when you look at the functionalist, the functionalist is we are defined by what we do. In other words, whatever I do is you to define me. So when you talk about social theory and talk about functionalism, it means within the social realm, I am defined by what I do. And so, if I am doing something else, I used to do bricklayer, to do something, a mason, I'm defined by that. Suddenly, I begin to now be selling maybe one subject, I'll be defined by that. So, people are now defined in terms of functions and when they begin to look at paradigms and that's the way they interpret. That's what they call the functionality. There's the one they call the interpretative. It is about interpretation. It's about interpretation. It's about, you know, how do you interpret things around you? And then you then have the, what we call the radical humanist. It shows that the human race, we are one. Don't be racist. Don't be tribalistic. Whether you are black, brown, it's the same. So radical humanists tend to view the world in terms of their paradigm, you know, from the thing that we are all born equal. And uh, that was what this uh, gentleman was talking about, um, uh, this gentleman in America, that I want my children to be evaluated. Martin Luther King Jr. Not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. 
that is essentially about radical humanism. And, and, and finally, what you call the radical uh, structuralists, uh, they are saying that the conflicts in society are necessary. That conflicts are good for change. If you really want change, there should be conflict. So these four paradigms are founded on different assumptions, uh, and I'm not going to spend too much time on those assumptions so that we can now look at the origin, you know, of paradigm shift. I, with me today, my name is Osama White, and uh, with me is uh, Mr. B. Tebepina. I told you before, he's, uh, he's an expert in branding as well as in security. And of course, we have our mama here, who is an, as an expert in, um, in strategic leadership, you know, organizational leadership. Now, so we're going straight now onto a paradigm, the origin. How did they originate? Um, Abby, do you want to say anything on that? How did they originate? Okay, this concept um, came from a physicist and also a philosopher, Thomas, Thomas Kuhn. And that's how um, this concept came into being. Yeah, I say fundamental change. You know, it is a fundamental change in terms of basic concepts and experimental practice of a scientific discipline. The issue here, when we go into it, uh, maybe we don't need to go too deep into it, but it's important when you see this origin, then you begin to know where you want to extend it to uh, in the kind of world we are living in today, particularly digital world. Corn. Uh, himself restricted the use of that term to natural sciences it was not he didn't expect that we should let, we should be talking about paradigm shift in our normal way of life in our social interaction in the way church does his own business no it was applied to science that was uh, the origin you know and so when you look at this book that uh, Korn uh, wrote he called the structure of scientific revolution it was written in 1962. It was actually honing it, you know, there that this thing is related to science. It has nothing to do with the, your attitude, the way you do things. It was something that had to do with the positivism. Positivism is essentially about science. It's about data and facts, you know. And that's what he meant, you know. And um, and that is what exactly was. So paradigm shift. Um, when the dominant uh, paradigm shifts. Uh, science shift from one way of dealing with a matter to another way or dealing with an issue, they call it paradigm shift. So, for instance, uh, physics about um, uh, mechanics, you were looking at physics about mechanics, how mechanics can interfere with electronics and how electronics can interfere with mechanics and then, and then you know, and all these things. So, paradigm shift were essentially, you know, they came on when corn wrote in 1962 on this very, very big uh, notion, what you call the structure of scientific revolution. So, and I will want to leave it at that, but I want to add just a few more uh, thoughts to work on, sir. Uh, in the nature of scientific revolution, um, there was a story in his study from what Kohn was saying in 1962 to modern philosophy. You know, when they come now from Conto Kant, another fellow, uh, you know, uh, from, uh, Immanuel Kant, phrases used, 
period of the purity. In fact, you know, truly, actually, it was actually uh, Khan that first developed the idea, you know, in the critique of pure reason, which was done in 18, in 1787. It was actually the one that Khan and that Khan actually built upon. I want to build upon. So when you come on to uh, Greek mathematics, Newtonian physics, that Khan was then looking at from Khan, um, that, uh, you know, so you see that all these were revolving, you know, revolving around science, pure science, physical science, data. It's not about your uh, human perception. It's not interpretative and all that. So everything was around Newtonian physics and mathematics. And so it was. But in this 1962 book, this 1962 book, I want to bring you to just some points on this 1962 book, the, which was titled The Structure of Scientific Revolution. And so Khan tried to explain what paradigm shift is, and he was able to dwell into four stages. Four stages. One he called normal science. The other one he then called the extraordinary research. The third he called adoption of new paradigm. And then of course, how do you, how do you now consolidate that into a grand design? So uh, what I will want to encourage us is you can find time, go and read about it. We do not want to create uh, anything in which uh, through this program, uh, we bring com complex that we don't understand. But what is important is that Khan uh, got his idea from the work of Khan, which Khan did in 1787, and that is where Khan uh, then wrote his own book uh, that uh, came in uh, 1962, and then it was essentially focused on science, science, facts. And, uh, but I will be taking you, uh, going beyond that now, how this was then used beyond physical science. Physical science. In other words, when we talk about physical science, now look at physics, chemistry, mathematics, engineering, and all that. So, so after what was recognized through the structure of scientific revolution, how it is, you know, uh, the development of the new uh, paradigm. So eventually the new paradigm form which gains its uh, own new followers. For Korn, this stage entails both resistance to new paradigm and reason for why an individual scientist should adopt it. So, so you can begin to understand the flow of development. And there was this other fellow called uh, Max Planck. You know, is that a new scientific truth does not triumph by convincing his opponents and making them see the light, but rather because his opponents eventually die and a new generation grows up that is familiar with the new one. So that is exactly what is going to be happening with this paradigm, you know, when about, uh, you know, people need to go digital. There are some people who will never embrace, they will die. But the new people who are born, they will embrace the new one. But thankfully, people like us, we choose not to die before we embrace it. We are going to embrace it on our own. In the paradise. You know, so this is how it originated. And you saw what Max Planck was saying. Because it was apparently very frustrating to Max Planck that no matter how you try, there's a new 
scientific discovery of the way to do things. And some people would just refuse not to. So he came, it, after that frustration came to a point that yes, he came with his own, talked about it, that uh, the, when he comes out, the people who choose not to, they will die away. And the new one that are born will embrace it. And it's a sad commentary on people whose heart has hardened. They have, they have, they have minds that are distant. So, I don't know. Uh, um, no, let me call Madam. I think I've said something. What do you want to say about this that, uh, uh, you know, Plank was talking about after what Kant and Korn and all of them, they are, they are all Kant, Korn, or whatever name, but Lieberman's Plank is a bit different, talking about it. Well, how, how do you see this? Talking of the shift as a whole, it's a, a thing that is, should be expected that not 100% of people that would buy into every idea. Those who would benefit from it would buy into it. There are some who will just jump at it. I remember when uh, Dr. Mokwa was working with uh, Dr. Badejo, he would just give a kind of brief and he will tell him, this is what I can get out of this, this is the way I understand. And Dr. Badejo, the Reverend Dr. Badejo, the way he would jump, you would think he's a baby. So there are those we call laggers. They don't grab it immediately. They don't get it immediately. They don't see the value immediately. They don't assert it immediately. And there are some who gradually, with education, they, I mean, encouraging them, they follow somehow, and then they benefit from it. Like what he just uh, said, that they will die without it. It's just like faith. As, as recorded in uh, Hebrews chapter 11. He yes. said they had faith, but it didn't materialize before they died. Yes. That is the same thing we are going to be seeing with this shift. And it has come up very glaring this year, year 2020, with COVID. And you, from what we read yesterday in the news, you see some stores closing up in United Kingdom. Our favorite big stores. Because... People are not going online. They go directly to producers and order for stuff. And then it's not as if there's no middleman apart from those who deliver. So it's going to continue like this. And in fact, we are going to be getting more of these things with technology, with the dig digital age. In fact, those things that are really natural that God has created that man cannot recreate or adulterate, those are the ones that will remain. All that thing, they are going to be shift, shift, shift. And in fact, as a child is being born, named, uh, whatever, and a woman gets married, there's a shift. Uh, yes, yes. Even in the natural sense. Yes. And so you are changing from one family to the other. There's a shift. And you are going to adjust yourself. You are not going to play the role you were playing in your parents' house anymore. Mm. You are now in another family. You are going to be checking yourself and adjusting you are shifting. What I'm trying to say is that even though initially it was somehow restricted to science, maybe physical science, mm -hmm. but it is now exploited and be used in every other thing. So many things. It's like applied science. So whatever it is, you are applying it into other sphere of life. Yeah.
Concord Security Services provides impeccable security services to its diverse clients, from banking to telecoms, from international examination institutions to big restaurants. Our emphasis on the use of cutting-edge technology to provide solutions to prevalent security challenges gives us a competitive edge in the industry. Our array of services include man guarding, CCTV, perimeter fencing, full body scanners, metal detectors, VIP protection, escort services, due diligence, and event security. We offer extensive trainings to our security personnel to improve their physical fitness, mental alertness, and exceptional skills in managing complexity at our two training centers in Ed John School of Management and in Elasa office. Engage our services today and let us give you peace of mind. Concord Security and Protocol Services Limited is located at 25 Abiakuta Street of Beliat Bostop, Elasa Maja. Oshadi Apapa Expressway, Lagos. Telephone 0805-690-8568 or 0805-119-9931. Send a mail to info at concordsecuritync.com or visit our website at www.concordsecuritync.com. Yes, really, we are going to be treating that mm. now the way it has is now being used mm. in in faith in church. So there are six. Mm -hmm. We are going to go through that, and also six in church. Church growth, the paradigms shift. The from when the first the first uh, century after Jesus till now, they will be able to identify six shifts and we are going to be discussing on this program mm -hmm. so although it started with science mm -hmm. we are also going to be also looking at social theory the changes in society that have happened and now we do paradigm shift but i like the point we're making about um you know that a few people accept it others don't and just an example is this i'm wearing a suit you see this suit i'm wearing today I got it from Dibena. I was very sad to see on the screen that Dibena is closing down. It's the biggest store in Britain, British store in Britain. So, and many of my suits are from there, from Dibena. Why is it, and that's the point she was making, why is it that Dibena as massive? I enjoyed having lunch in Dibena. Anytime I'll go there, if I were actually going there more to eat than to actually buy clothes, you know? So this ties from Dibena. And so, and why is it? Things were changing in terms of how production is done, how not just production is done, how the supply chain works, what is the role of the internet in value creation. So they were lagging behind other stores. And so when this COVID came, they were already getting weak before COVID came. But when COVID came and now people couldn't walk into the stores, the shoes I'm wearing now, I bought them from Dibena. I have to walk into the store to buy them. And so Dibena closed yesterday. 
That is what happened. That's what it means by people die. If you do not embrace the new way, the new norm, the new whatever, what happened is that you will die away. Those who then embrace it will stand. And that is the for, for for us because we're going to spend time later when we are going to be looking at the one the way it applies to the church. We are going to spend some time on that and the way it applies to society. You know, we were just looking at the origin now from science. We started from science, it then moved into social science, it then moved on to religion, it then moved on to and we are going to take all these different sides during this program. And today recognize that those who choose not to change and say the good old days. There are people with a mindset of good. There's nothing good in the new days. Everything good is the, is the old days. Such people are the kind of people who die like the better. You know, you are a pastor, you look at the fellow pastoring. And I remember in 1960, 1995, I was invited by Rembadejo to come and speak to pastors on, on strategic planning. So, and I was speaking as a, on strategic planning, it was at the Whistling Pine, 1995. I spoke on two key topics, two key issues. Number one, any pastor that will not embrace change using IT was going to be extinct. I spoke about that. I also spoke about the outcome of ministry and that when certain outcomes are not associated with certain inputs, you then actually find that that ministry you are not called into it. And you know, the litmus test of your call is the outcome. Is that outcome in line with the expectation of who called you? So, and I remember it actually agitated the pastors there. Is this man coming to teach us secular theory? But time proved it today that you see John Overseas, you see these things, they are using IT, they are using uh, tablets to minister, they are using computer to do things, you are using Zoom to do neck meetings, and do all those things. It didn't have to take a long time. It didn't have to take a long time for what they saw as prophetic in that teaching to come to pass. Because some people saw it as prophetic, some of that saw it as. I remember one of the pastors at that time stood up and said, You are teaching. Something that is worldly, it's not spiritual. This is going to discourage pastors. Strategy planning. God is the one who owns this thing. So just wake up every day. Yes, and yes, just wake up. He said, You are going to make pastors lazy if they use computer. <laughs> he stood up. And another top leader who mentioned the name because it's on air, you know, I love the, this man very much. He told me that don't come in here and discourage my pastors. And he says, So don't discourage my pastors uh, by telling them that. If you haven't, you say you are a pastor, you started with five people in your church, you moved to seven, then you came back to five, and you've been doing that for years, five years. I said, you are not called. Because that is not the outcome that's expected of you. You want to be producing fruit, like the fig tree. Jesus said, every fig tree that's not produced, what you do should be cut off. 
But the fig tree that produces prunage. So that it can then begin to produce more. So I went to said, said you should not. And I want to thank God that it was the same uh, uh, our district overseer at that time, Professor, and who became general overseer, Reverend Badejo, who took me, was who rescued me from this retreat of pastors. Because I came to actually teach on strategy and what purpose is in terms of outcome to pastors. Everything that was said, it didn't take 10 years for them to see that you couldn't really be a very uh, productive pastor without understanding how to engage with IT, without knowing, without being able to measure performance that you really couldn't be. And so that is actually the cutting edge. When you look at cutting edge ministry, is the capacity to embrace new paradigms. Paradigm because the word of God will remain the same. Method will always change. If you understand that mind, if you have that mindset, that the word will remain the same. But the way in which we propagate it will change from time to time. When you have that kind of mindset, then you then find that this thing does not catch you napping. You are not caught napping at all. And so you know exactly what next to do. I mean, maybe happy you want to say something in addition to that. Taking from where you saw, in a, one of the episodes we had, Amoni was talking about how this should be embraced in religion. And we just hit the nail on the head while we are just talking nonsense. Uh, if we break it down, there are several religions. You know, you mentioned sir, that we'll look at um, taking it from science to social and to the religion. There are several religions in the world as we speak. If I was I was checking a, re a research that was done by a Christian, uh, an organization done for the Christian uh, community. And in that research, in all the religion, the percentage of Christianity cannot is, is about is very, very insignificant when you rate it in terms of hundred percent. We have Judaism, we have all of them mm. like that. Hindu and all of that. Yeah. And Mommy was just coming to a point where she said in one of the episodes when she said, and this gospel shall be preached to every part of the world. For us to achieve that, we must embrace technology. The science uh, technology uh, science has brought into it, which is technology. We must embrace that as a ministry to reach now to the entire world. But not called to, yes, you could start from a community, mm -hmm. but we are called to reach out to the whole world. And the only way, avenue, mm -hmm. that one can be for able to Jerusalem, do Jerusalem, Judea, yes, to the yes, uttermost part, part of, of the world. world. Yes. For one to be able to achieve that, you must embrace all these platforms that are readily available. Embrace it, learn the skill, that cutting edge that is needed for us to get the gospel across to the uttermost part of the world. We must embrace it and run with it. So thank you very much. You know, the, you know in the early 20th century, in the early 20th century, I was just saying, in the basic concept of mathematics, physics, and biology, you know, the idea of biology was actually revitalized. You know, revitalized among scholars. Among scholars. It was 
it was it was Vatila among scholars. It, it was from, for instance, from 1787 to 1982. What really happened between, you know, almost over a hundred years? What happened in the thinking of paradigms? There were things that happened, but they were not documented. That really happened, and and it is to the uh, advantage to you know to come. You know, after what the critic Kant did and was called, that brought this now to the fore to recognize that uh, paradigm shift is central to life. In science, in aerodynamics, for instance, in the aerospace, it is core, is core to the human life. In aerodynamics, in the way you travel, in entertainment, in the way you do ministry, in the way you conduct your families. Maybe I'll just share an example before we conclude. I want to round up with this. Now, because my children are in different continents, and my grandchildren are in different continents, so we have a family altar, a family altar for the entire the Mokwai outside, Mokwai family, in about how many continents and how many countries. So, and it's one of the things I'm so thankful to God that enabled us to be able to do it, that all of us, we connect on the family altar with our grandchildren. What do we do on that? Every first Saturday of the month, the entire, all over the world, we come together. And then, number one, we will, we will share the word of God. We will praise God. And finally, we will pray for one another for the family altar. Do you know, I didn't know that would be possible. I never knew that would be possible one day as my children in the United States, my children in the United Kingdom, my children in Canada, that, I could, that could happen. So, and that is it today. So, today, it, there is no excuse for your family. For You want your family to have a family altar. There is no excuse anymore. The technology available today is available for you to strengthen your family altar. What I could even do when we were physically in one location, because I was working for multinational, that I, sometimes days I won't be home. And I would then come and I come very late, the children are sleeping. Now, with digital, digitalization, we don't have a family altar which we pray. That one is compulsory, the first Saturday. But there are others that we then do as a part of family altar. You know, in which a one to one, two to two, and all that. But there's one, everyone, every child, my five children, all of them, and their own children, their wives, their husbands, we then come together, and that is science coming onto the whole. And then we embrace the, the, the digital age, and then our lives are better, spiritually, physically, and emotionally. That's where I bring this to a close today. And I want to really thank everyone that listened to us, and thank my panelists for being so, for what you've done today. Thank you. And God bless.
Skillshare Communications Limited is a world-class marketing communications and branding consultancy firm located in Lagos State, Nigeria. We offer a wide array of consultancy and promotional services to corporate businesses and firms. Our services include strategic marketing activities, public relations, advertising, social media management, digital marketing, web development, brand development, marketing activation, strategic branding, market intelligence activities and telecoms, ranging from CUG management to airtime vending. Call Mindshare Communications today to help you achieve your goals. For further information, please contact Abiola on 0807-739-0974. Send a mail to info at mindsharelimited.com or visit our website at www.mindsharelimited.com. Address 184A Kaduna Road, Crystal Estate and Muwadafi Estate, Lagos.